Hi there. Welcome to Mushroom Hour. Today on Mushroom Hour, we're joined by mycological ally, cultivator, and community creator, Olga Zogas of Smug Down Mushrooms. Her journey with fungi and plants started over 15 years ago. She began working with these allies when foraging in both urban and more wild settings as she learned to identify species for food and medicine. Then Olga, alongside her community, established Smugtown Mushrooms to satiate the need for mushrooms and growing supplies, workshops, events, and community-based science, where they're headquartered on traditional Haudenosaunee land in the so-called city of Rochester, New York. While learning more and embracing the never-ending unlocked potential that mushrooms and fungi have to help heal both people, planet, and soul, Olga teaches workshops throughout the continent about wild mushroom identification, medicinal mushrooms, biology, and mushroom cultivation. She was a core organizer for the 2016 Radical Mycology Convergence and the Mycosymbiotics Festival from 2015 to 2017. In 2018, Olga helped to co-create the New Moon Mycology Summit, a justice-focused mycology-centered event linking many disciplines extending throughout the living world. Olga is also a member of the Rochester Area Mycological Association, CPAMC, WPAMC, and the West Virginia Mushroom Club. Annually, Olga guides small groups immersing in land-based and traditional knowledge of Northern Greece, highlighting the fungi and plants there. I'm excited to learn from a legend of mycology who seems to bring these teachings from fungi into every aspect of her life, Olga. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mushroom Hour. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Well, definitely the pleasure is all mine. I think most of the people listening are probably familiar with your work in some capacity. You know, whether they know Smugtown Mushrooms, whether they read about you in Doug Beeren's book, In Search of Mycotopia, or whether they've heard one of the many interviews or conferences and lectures that you've given. So really a, a, a treat to have you on the show. And, you know, to kick us off, if it's not too passe or you're not over your own story yet, you know, tell us a little bit about how you got into mushrooms, how you found it smug town, just kind of giving us the highlights along the way of how you got on this journey. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, I always loved mushrooms. Even growing up, I was fascinated. I remember the first wild mushroom I can remember recognizing and having some interaction with that was memorable that was imprinted was a stink horn and it was under a tree in the neighborhood i'm like what is this it looks like a carrot's like sticking out of the ground like i don't understand this you know so that was like my first like fungal wild fungal memory but i was like mushrooms my family is from greece and like northern greece they have a diner and it was definitely like, you know, mushrooms on the menu. We ate, we ate a lot of mushrooms and it was definitely just part of uh, what we were cooking and what we were often, you know, I was like, so I wasn't like afraid of mushrooms, if you will, but I eventually, you know, found uh, nature and connected with the earth in a way that changed my life probably like around like 18, 19 years old. I was like out West 
going to the redwood forest and just being like enamored and i was like okay i really want to learn what's like growing outside this is like really important this feels like the right thing to do and i like started going to community college here in rochester and i had just like beautiful teachers you know that were ogs and knew everything in the woods and and some and and microbes and and they were really inspiring and they had helped me and guided me in other you know non-traditional or like non-academic learning outlets and and really just like learn from older you know elder people elders and and teachers in academia and mushroom clubs and different organizations early on and and yeah it became some it was more about wild mushrooms and you started hearing about like you know that guy paul stamets and (laughs) took his classes and you know that was like 13 years ago or something and and started considering um you know growing mushrooms and stuff and yeah i don't even know how it happened but like a giant autoclave like fell into my lap if you will (laughs) and we went from like we're gonna open up a little thing with like a couple stovetop american you know pressure cookers and then it became like an 18 foot autoclave pretty quickly and trying to like improvise what that would be and it was a beautiful and it is a beautiful endeavor, <laughs> if you will, because it's been like up and down and lots of challenges. And it we experiment, had experiment, maybe. Yeah, experiment exactly. You know, we had to move a couple times and just dealing with landlords and also now like pandemic with landlord stuff. You know, but yeah, either way, like the fungi have been so generous. And I'm continuing to learn every moment that I go outside and see what's growing. And that's what probably keeps me here (laughs) is that this we're constantly learning about, you know, we have the ability to continue to learn. And I think that's really what gives me the the passion to keep going with this is that they just keep on amazing me every day, these mushrooms and fungi and all the little critters in between. You can't forget about all the little critters in between because for so many people, understanding the world of mushrooms and fungi then necessitates learning about all these other organisms. And before you know it, you're just understanding all these different ecologies and microbes. And, and I love that story too, about how the outside and that relationship you know, and really what I like to think of as kind of a superpower when you start knowing about the other organisms around you, how that's kind of like this spark of of inspiration that keeps you going. And I am curious, just because we know so much about Italian culture and that kind of side of Mediterranean mycophilia, if you will, uh, as much as you know, and you can tell me, hey, I'm not the expert on that, but does Greek culture have a similar reverence for mushrooms? You talked about the diner having it on the menu, but does Greek culture in general have that same reverence for mushrooms and fungi? Yeah, definitely. So it is, I feel like a, a little kept secret, if you will, about Greece and in general, the Balkans and Mm. 
that we're just part of the, we're still part of that Mediterranean basin. And so we have these beautiful trees and mycorrhizal partnerships with them and beach forest, chestnut forest, fir forest. Uh, who else is in there? Yeah. the Oh yes. The Karamese oak and different oaks that have these just like amazing associations. And it's just fascinating to see so many fungi that I see in North America and in Greece, but yeah, there's so many different microregions in Greece and there's different mushroom seasons for so many different parts of the area, depending on the time of year. Yeah. And at least like where we live, you know, Greece is like, Greece is known more for like beaches and like white sand and blue, you know, blue waters and things like that. And that yes. is super fact and amazing. And, and you couldn't even sit on every beach in Greece. That's how many beaches there are. You know, there's just, it's stunning. It's a magical place. And it's all about the holiday on the beach, but people don't realize that like, once you go inward, it's like these amazing forests that are lush with like hardwoods and different fur and different species that just harbor amazing mycorrhizal fungi and different areas really have their you know favorites where my family lives they have like yeah i mean they basically like walk over chanterelles because there's so, so many porcinis that are popping you know they don't like even care about chanterelles or if there's some like black trumpets they like walk over those to get the amanita cesarea you know the the amanita caesar but there is like even a mushroom museum in greece and when we go and we host people there it's it's just a fun time we go foraging we we go to the beach we go into the mountains we go to hot springs and it's just a beautiful place you know and i love being able to like reconnect and being able to like speak the language and and share the beauty of what's happening there and that's also something that greece is known for is their philoxenia you know i've probably talked about that before is like Greece okay yeah like people come and there's tourism but it's like because like Greeks love to host people this is like our thing we're like oh my god come here let me feed you take care of you make sure you have everything like are you okay do you need a jacket you know it's like that's our vibe you know <laughs> like so it's just beautiful and like yeah we love to feed people that's why like we probably have like a ton of Greek people in this country own diners that makes sense and you're just describing kind of my ideal culture, like that might be peak civilization. It's just being nice, being kind, eating good food, celebrating mushrooms. I mean, there's- it's a good life. It's a good life, you know, and it's a beautiful thing. Greece has got its problems, you know, like everywhere, you know, and it's always grass is greener, you know, but sure. there's a way like it's, it's a slow paced life, you know, and tragically that, that is a, something that is becoming endangered that culture that's that vibe is endangered because you know capitalism doesn't like allow for that and right. when people have to like work all day to like make nothing you know i can't even tell you like what people are paid in greece for like you know a week it's really ridiculous you know and it's, it's definitely like a third world nation or a developing nation and people don't really realize that and they you know they got messed up from the eu and austerity and 
the right. World Bank and all the the financial crash in 2008 and stuff. I'm sure people can remember. That's unfortunately, I think that's some of people's initial associations and there's so many directions we could go with all these ideas and such a rich culture. But yes, that economic piece and this piece about, you know, the choice of how to how to be or how to exist or how a culture can exist maybe without this economic pressure laid over top of it that might ruin some of the magic. It's there's a, a big case study there in kind of what direction human society wants to go in. And there there are certain countries like that that stand out. And I think Greece is one of them of, you know, maybe there's another way that we can do this thing. Maybe it isn't all about efficiency or maybe it isn't all about how much money you can make or how much stuff you can have. Maybe there's another side to the human experience we can embrace and things will look a little different. In one way, I'm disheartened to hear that you're seeing that kind of be put under the the pressure by some of these economic forces. But at the same time, I'm heartened to hear that a lot of that is kind of in the Greek DNA and might always be there and might even rest out of those chains of, I don't even know if you want to call it chains of capitalism, but some of those chains of modernity that I think so many yeah. of us are trapped in. Yeah. I mean, well, the reality is, is it's not just the rich elder culture of Greece. It's everywhere, you know, any culture, any community um, that still practice, you know, their traditional ways of life are under threat and endangered, if you will, you know, and when we, you know, it's that conversation of like, when we want to be environmentalists and like, right, we want to protect our forests, like we need to remember people live there too, you know, right. and, and that whole thing of when we think of a lot of times, like we think of Sierra Club and like John Muir and like, all, you know, these people that constructed these national parks and these are places, right, that like they've been kept wild, right? But really they were like, they were kept wild and stewarded by people for millennia, forever millennia, like internally, right? And they were forced off that land and now it's like monitored and you know yellowstone is like rounding up wolves every year and killing wolves every year and wild buffalo and you know they think that they know better and stuff it's a mess you yeah, know what wh i mean what? so it's like That's madness oh yeah oh yeah no it's serious like they kill wolves i mean it they want to monitor you know and there's there's a lot of we you know there's a lot of stuff going on but you know we just like just we need to recognize that you know and that's like continuing like that conversation which i think we'll probably touch more on is like if we're going to be trying to preserve these wild spaces and these ways of life you know we have to like help keep the the people that are protecting these spaces to be able to steward those lands Yes. And we've gone straight to kind of the deep waters already, which I love. And these insights you have, and I think a lot of people resonate with that kind of worldview of seeing human organization as something and the systems of culture by which we base structure our societies. It seems like the diversity of the potential cultures and societies is actually going down as people trend more toward this hyper-economic model, whether that's capitalism or capitalism with some authoritarian flavors thrown in there. It feels like the diversity of how to exist and how to organize and coexist with people is really narrowing, 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 narrowing. And you're laying out, hey, 
there's other ways of being like being at harmony with the land. What if our purpose was to actually take care of and steward land and that was fulfilling and that's kind of what we did. That was that was the foundational principle of how we organize things was was that concept. How much of those notions, those perspectives are informed by your relationship with mushrooms? Because we know this has been a deep and intimate relationship for decades now for you. Um, but how much of your interactions with fungi have influenced how you see the world and some of these new perspectives that, that you're sharing with us? Well, totally. I mean, you know, I was just like a little like budding little critter myself, you know, when I first started <laughs> even stepping foot and being able to witness the the glory and the sacredness of wild spaces. Yeah. And even then, <laughs> I mean, I was just not even being able to like understand, you know, and even today I'm just like in awe and tears come into my eyes. Like when I'm in a space where there's just so much beauty, you know, the moss is perfect and the way the light's coming through the foliage of the trees. And there's just every, everybody's like the perfect flowers right next to the perfect mushroom and everything's amazing. Right. And there's just this beauty and I was always like a little like tree hugger, you know, like grew up <laughs> in the nineties and, you know, they pushed that recycle, reuse like stuff. Right. And like yeah. it made us like think that these simple things are going to like help the world. Right. And kind of cloaking and indoctrinating us to think that like these small tasks are really going to like be effective and, and realizing also like it's just not enough because they're still like going to develop the woods that you like walked in at when you were 19, a little small critter or even younger. They're still going to develop that and put the new strip mall or the development or whatever it might be or the pipeline because <laughs> it's a never ending like battle. Yeah, I think like fungi bring me here because like they, you know, they've showed me within the forest, you know, within community, within in a psychedelic setting, you know, within sacred mushrooms, like, you know, there's that theme, like we're all connected and it's like, there's this, like, what are we doing? <laughs> and I'm definitely so grateful, like, you know, and for them to share with me every year all the time and I'm at their mercy, you know, they're controlling me and I'm just trying to like support people fighting the doom of ecological collapse that I think we're all really suffering from. And whether we acknowledge it or not, it's like, we all feel it because we are all connected in the mycelium and the water, it all is, all, we're all connected and we got to keep up and support people defending the earth and the water. Also like get the literacy, what that means, because I think a lot of times like we have such good intentions and we want to like, you know, there's a lot of people doing a lot of great work, but a lot of times like you know, there's certain organizations that are taking a lot of the money, the visibility and things like that. So it's like, yeah, getting the lowdown for real, the 
the nonprofit industrial complex, <laughs> which has been yeah. which has been like a big thing circulating on the internet as of recently, because it's just like, you know, more and more people are finding out that like, wow, there's a ton of people making like a ton of money and there's still, you know, seems to be something. But anyway, it's like fungi are like our unifier, you know, and they're connecting us. It's intersectional. It, I should say, I shouldn't say intersectional. It's interdisciplinary. It, it radiates in, in every formality, you know, we're you're, you know, all these topics that you share with people all the time, these different uh, folks that you, you interview, it's not just one topic. It's not just cultivation, right? It's not right. just wild mushrooms. There's just like the depth of the fungal reach is, it's infinite. I asked this massive question, knowing the breadth is nigh infinite because it's like that for myself and so many people. And I had a feeling you'd be able to elucidate it beautifully and tie in all these different issues. And I think no matter what, you know, for some people, it is the doorway into which they see all of these problems laid out before them. You know, it just seems to lace out and kind of show you things and show you issues and make you think about that all important question. What are we doing? I love that. What, what are we doing? Why, why are we doing this? It uh, makes you think about that. And then for so many people who might already know that part of it, there suddenly becomes this locus for solutions. Like, oh, wow, these things offer us solutions in so many ways, whether that's decentralized food production, whether that's kind of sustainable foraging that builds into that, whether, yeah, that's psychedelics that can kind of wake people up and make people really assess what are we doing here? How can we do things differently? Uh, so, the, you know, they're so central to helping us reconcile this world where our subconscious is bathed in these understandings of ecocide bathed in these understandings of kind of manipulation control before the show where you were talking about how greece as a nation state is actually a collection of so many different unique cultures and you find that all around the world so yeah who drew these borders and decided this was a certain thing and then got to take control of it and kind of own it through you know so for some reason seems to highlight all these issues at the same time present us with a way out and i know we're starting with like the most expansive conversation you could have. But the reason I want to lay that out and kind of give people a sample of your worldview and your perspectives that I really appreciate so much, you know, how does that reconcile them with you who's starting this project like Smugtown? You know, how does that show up for you and your continued work with the community? What is the mission of Smugtown at this point, given kind of this greater context? And yeah, at the end of the day, as a business, how does that all, this giant perspective and understanding of Olga fit its way or show up in the business, the project of Smugtown? When I first started Smugtown Mushrooms, like I had no idea who I was and what I was doing and how I'd be growing into the person who I am today. You know, I think you can find a really early on quote from a local newspaper article that my friend was just working at. So I got this like interview, little nepotism there. Um, and I was like, I like legit quote, Work the system. I want to be the next Paul Samets. <laughs> embarrassing, embarrassing, <laughs> cringe, cringe for many reasons, you know, and I'm grateful and I, I guess like time frame too, like when I started Smugtown, like Occupy had just started 
And there was this huge, amazing, beautiful insurrection and revolution happening all over the world. And I had basically dropped off my obligations at, uh, for a minute and stood in solidarity and learned a lot and continued to and continued to learn more about what I knew about how the world really ran. I really thought I knew what the heck I was like doing, yeah. you know, and how things ran and how I moved through through the world and how I wanted to move through the world and and that reflected within my work that reflected with how I moved through the woods, uh, how I practice, you know, how I forage and, you know, and it is, and has changed over the years. And I'm grateful for the people who taught me and gave time to me that, you know, taught me ways that like these systems in place that teach us ways to like get rich and whatever. And, you know, they're laced in, yeah, capitalism and exploitation and perpetual slavery and inequality and racism and all these things, right? And I just didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I still struggle with it right now as we speak. Like, I'm a terrible business owner. Terrible. Don't, like, like I'm not, I'm just like, it's not even... It's not like it's all good. We're not going to glorify Olga yeah. as like entrepreneur. I yeah, love I no. love doing biz busyness. Yeah. yeah, no, like I enjoy working with fungi and like assisting people becoming close with fungi and being able to do this work that I that I do love, which has turned into not even like as much mushroom farming as it is like organizing events and workshops and uh, teaching about fungi and in all their glory, whether it's for cultivation or wild food or wild ID or medicine and, you know, not necessarily so much reme remediation, but telling people like, yo, we can use fungi to do like this cool stuff too. And it's been hard being a business owner, but I enjoy the work I do. And it's, tragically you know there's that internal battle i don't want to work for a living i think that's right it's like i want to or like live to work i don't know like you know what i'm trying to say like, absolutely like, absolutely and that's I'm just trying to like exist and like i think about people like these insane people with so much wealth and they're sick they're sick because like when i'm doing well like i'm Sharon, like, how can we sit with the notion that some of these billionaires can each give us a million dollars and they'd still be billionaires and we'd just have a million, a cool mill. They can right. give us all a cool mill. And we're just like, I can't. It's just like, it's so frustrating. And it's not even about like Amazon, like buying shit from Amazon. It's like, at this point, it's just like, there's a monopoly and like five to like 12 people run everything that's <laughs> kind know? of what you get to is you wake up and realize wait we're in an oligarchy and the insidious part of it is once you get that much whether it's material whether it's temporal or spiritual whenever you get that much power or accumulated wealth you can then structure the rest of the system 
to kind of feed into it's that exponential leverage where if you have that advantage as a billionaire you can structure whatever industry you're in or the economy or it's you can shameful start it's just pure shameful like not to cut you off i'm just sick of their shit. <laughs> absolutely and you know it's something that gets to the heart of that issue again what are we doing here you know is this system of human organization working when do we kind of say hey experiment over this didn't really work a lot of people are unhappy a lot of people don't feel fulfilled certain people are now have their psychology totally changed and are seeing everyone else as kind of this ant farm they're in charge of you know this this isn't working and not that mushrooms are the answer to that but i just feel like they provide all of these areas where you can gain purchase on ideas or concepts that end up filling some of those needs for us and maybe start a framework for another system that we can build. Because for me, so much of you know my young adult life was having some of these realizations, hearing you talk, I'm like, wow, she's putting it into words, what I think a lot of people have eventually had to discover about the world. And you don't really know, you're kind of cut adrift. And so then you think, okay, we're going to fight the system and we're going to tear it down. But you know, that's really the game that they're good at you kind of then enter their arena and mushrooms in a way seem to offer all of these other solutions for hey we can organize differently you know and I, I see that then for you as putting together this organization it becomes about working with the fungi it becomes about working with your team the monetary considerations are kind of shuttered to the side where you kind of do that to keep it going because that's the game we're in but you end up focusing on building a nexus you know not to speak for your group, I mean, in the face of some of these massive problems where we're talking, you know, where I see fungi as an answer, you're working with them, you know, whether or not there's some economic framework, just using our imagination, big picture, how do you think we start to shift to new ways of being? Because I heard you say there, hey, I just want to exist. And it kind of, I was talking with a friend a couple of weeks ago, and she was kind of at the end of her rope with running around and doing so much work. She was like, can I just kind of exist near the ocean and like make food for people? And she's kind of describing what it sounds like a little bit of Greek yeah. life. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. like, can't, can't we just do that? Is that okay? Like, yeah, no, absolutely. That's like, that's what we all like, what we are like existing and living in. Like, this is new. Like, what mm. 150 years ago everybody just grew food right chilled made everything or like everyone you know had everyone within your community had a skill set and it worked out and we provided for each other and we saved our seed and, and all these things right and we just lived on the land all of our ancestors just lived on the land okay and we long for that it's in our it's in our genetic makeup but we also need to like evaluate what that like means <laughs> in many ways right. like because that could be a dangerous thing where it's like well let's make sure we're going to be living on land that we're not stealing it <laughs> in many ways from Oof. and displacing yeah. people and and that it's all it's all touchy subject and land ownership is fucking weird and i don't even know how I even feel about all that stuff. And it's intense. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I just want to exist. And I think that's like, really, you know, hearing your friend, it's just like, we all just want to exist. And it's like, what are the, like, why are we the only species like paying rent? What is this? Shit? Like, what are we doing? 
you know we're right. not advanced like we are fools this is a scam like we don't need them and that's like the thing too it's like there's this like rise in people wanting to like learn about mushrooms we are desperate for connection to anything natural because we're like so sanitized and contained and like you know what's that like meme or like you know it was adbusters that had it first so it was just like kids know like hundreds of brands but they know like maybe 10 plants or like can recognize like 10 species of something wild you know like powerful yeah it's real our priorities are shifted and it's just getting worse in many ways like because of <laughs> the phone computer phone you know and and instagram and all that stuff it's addictive and whatever and we can use these beautiful like tools to learn and connect and it is amazing but we are def definitely starved and it's that also that thing it's like mama is calling us to come out and protect her because she is under attack the waters are under attack and the people that have been protecting these lands all over the world indigenous people all over the world are the front lines of the ecocide and then it becomes genocide you know because these ecosystems that these people have, live in are being developed for god knows what yeah and what you're talking about i think a lot of people may think oh that's utopian isn't that funny that kind of the utopian part that everyone's kind of trying to get rich so they can basically buy a farm and like have that lifestyle yeah. um and that's uh, that's why i appreciate you saying that that's what we've always been doing here this last couple hundred years of hyper industrialization and buy sell this is the key to happiness and but it's not like going back to shifting our value systems back to harmony with the environment seasonality developing trust with people utilizing you know land-based practices share i mean all these concepts doesn't mean you're going to be in a utopia no. i mean we're it's still hard it's yeah. hard it's really hard and because our default is not that it's not that you know our default is like competitive and we're all in a, also like just to start off we're all just traumatized little kids in like grown-up bodies and tall children i think yeah, someone told me yeah. basically you know and so it's like we got a lot of work to do and i got a lot of work to do and we got to heal ourselves and that is you know brings people to the fungi especially with like you know the mental health component and you know trying to heal trauma and stuff like that like it's real like i think it's valid you know but we need to make sure that we're not commodifying it and making sure that it's not entirely in the hands of the state and the billionaire class controlling that medicine and that sacred medicine that it is returned to the people as well but we're all just trying to like heal hopefully some people maybe not so but like i think that's the component with mushrooms is like once right people are like oh i like to eat them oh i didn't realize i can make like a tea and there's this tea and then like oh i can add them in my garden and it's like all these components and you know we're just trying to like attain this like and not even attain but like have relationship with 
an organism that provides so much and it's, it's awesome. I love what you just said about healing ourselves. Uh, it was Jay Schindler from Fungi for the People, who I'm sure you've met or know He's about. My buddy. Oh, yeah. And he said, you know, it's remediating social ecologies. It's like, man, what if that's square one? Where we know kind of, yeah, mushrooms are the answer. Mushrooms are going to save the world. What does that look like? It's like, first, we'll use it to heal ourselves. And it'll be maybe a disjointed process, you know, in terms of like getting off this hyper this shell of modernity that isn't the lifestyle we want to live and transition to something else it might not be like oh six easy steps to it might be like hey we have to all heal ourselves first we have to start working with fungi develop these relationships then we might start getting somewhere but maybe the starting point is really fungi calling out to us to help us heal ourselves and then we'll be able to make some better decisions about moving forward. And for me, this gets into an interesting conversation too. And as someone who's positioned kind of at the center of a lot of mycological community, you're a great person to talk about this with. Do you think this worldview, this undercurrent, I mean, whether I guess it's conscious or unconscious, do you think so many people drawn to mushrooms and drawn to mycology community see this as well? I mean, are seeing the world like we see it and striving for something else? And then if so, is that changing as things go mainstream? Well, I think it's been, people have been seeing and working with fungi and seeing dollar signs instead of like a potential for anything else. I mean, tragically, there's mad exploitation always happening. But I do think that, you know, there's a shift. And I was talking to a friend here today and she was like, Dude, the Zoomers like don't want to even like have kids because it's like the eco the you know the ecology and they see that like the earth is being destroyed and so sad, yeah. And people are like looking to fungi and there's just so much more innovation. People from every walk of life are working with them and they're just showing us what is possible, you know, and there's a resurgence for a reason a lot of it is algorithmic <laughs> um oh, that isn't it, that true the phone yeah, device the algorithm yeah, yeah, yeah a lot of it is algorithmic i'm not gonna say i'm gonna say staged but that's not really what i mean but like definitely there's there's been a surgence of of this and it's been a long time coming i think and I think people are just, yeah, we're looking for answers. We're looking for ways to like climb out of like this quote from my friend, impending doom, you know? Yeah. And we live in a country like, you know, these Western countries, like everyone's like on medicine, like different kinds of medicine, you know, and we're all battling different things and i think you know once again like we're just like trying to heal and tragically i think like there's that thing of like there's going to be co-opting you know right. there already is co-opting and there's dollar signs and it a lot of the mushroom stuff is already going into the wrong hands i just heard that like bill gates just dropped like a hundred hundred mil on like a mushroom company that i can't remember Oh, you that know? is the worst news I've gotten all month. Yeah. And 
that is someone who you know people should really do should look into but he owns like all the farmland now. all the farmland yeah. i think some subsidiary he's invested in owns like all the houses some black rock yeah yeah funded subsidiary i mean yeah. and now he owns and that's like not fungi right and that's not fungi right that's like centralized that's like monopoly that's capitalism you know and it's right, this right. thing and like i think that like we really need to like look deeper you know and i i'll just say this too it's like we can take like ounces of mushrooms and if we wanted and do high doses i don't suggest people do ounces of mushrooms but you know like if people do surf that wave every once in a while but you know sometimes like it we can't we are not going to be literate in a lot of these things unless we do like look deeper for them you know and for yeah, like yeah. the truth you know of like what the systems are in place right yesterday people celebrated and mourned for the indigenous people's day yesterday you know and biden you know was like oh i'm nationally recognizing this and and it's I like, love your Biden impression. Thank you. He's <laughs> just like a blow up doll. I like that person like doesn't exist, but they just wheel him out when they need I, him. Yeah. yeah. He's just too weird, but they're all weird and awful just for people to know that. Um, but it's an important message. They're, yeah, they're, all, they're weird all weird and, and kind of psychopathic awful. and yeah, awful. They're all and... terrible. But, you know, Biden's like indigenous people's day, but like there was like, thousands of indigenous matriarchs outside of the white house yesterday demanding he stop these pipelines from going into treaty lands and all over the country and what do they put out is sound weapons and secret service and they arrested over 100 people you know and it's like we, we gotta like really just do the work to like not take things at face value you know because here he is declaring like we're healing something right that we're doing the work and it's actually just like lip service this is part of the reason why i felt like at some point you know i love making the podcast about mushrooms and fungi i do think there's so much hope so many tools there but there's also part of me that wanted to make a podcast just about politics and just talking about like, hey, everybody, wait, wake the hell up. Like none of these people are your friends. The fact that they dress up in suits and are in big, fancy, imposing buildings doesn't mean they're actually doing anything for your good. You know, and it just to me, you can't get away from seeing this entire system is really a farce you know kings and royalty never went away they did this representative government thing kind of you know said the right things or what what, what is that called they pandered to the masses and like yes you you're in control of your government or you're in control of the systems that you rely on and it's all for our communal good really hijacking that impetus that we have that is the pure impetus like yes yeah. we want communal good we, we want, want to work it. together yeah and it's totally. just so sad to see it get hijacked see the double speak like that example where it's like yes we're helping you as they slap handcuffs on you and drag you away about anything real you know, and so part of me was like, man, I, we got to just talk about this and get through this. But I do think that as much as we're laying out that bleak picture that, you know, we'll probably have to put a trigger warning on this. Hey, if you don't like politics, I guess, you know, I don't know what you're going to listen to. But yeah, if you don't like politics, maybe this isn't the one for you. But I think honestly, it's apolitical. I think this isn't about political parties. This isn't about getting into the nuances of, oh, we vote on this bill. Or It's like, no, the whole thing is not 
working. And I don't know how we get through that other than just committing to other organisms. And for me, that was mushrooms. For other people, it may be other things. When we talk about fundamental truth and getting, you know, what what are we doing here? What's the purpose of human organization? What are we trying to achieve? I mean, understanding the natural world, understanding how to achieve harmony with our natural environment. I mean, that's the baseline. Uh, I mean, do you think we can shift value systems in that direction? Do you think it'll be like chaos theory, like things get as crazy as possible and then boop, just we go into that? What's kind of our hope for how these things can shift in your mind? Because yeah, we know kind of now that we're being controlled, we recognize it doesn't matter who's doing the talking, both sides, same bird, they're both trying to control you. Corporate government, that starts to not look like much of a difference. I'm always saying like the government is just the business of farming people at this point. So, you know, when we talk about making some kind of shift inspired by fungi or inspired by the natural world, what might that look like in your mind? And I know that's like massive question to just throw out there, but for you, what do you think that might look like? Well, you know, it's going to take a lot. I mean, and we're not going to, I'm not going to see it in my lifetime. It's right. not going to be like that because it's been an ongoing gener- multi-generational struggle for liberation and justice, you know, that's a long legacy and that incredible people have been fighting and literally living it like since antiquity, you know, we have a long list of freedom fighters and, and liberators, you know, but it's a shift in, in a paradigm, you know, we have to do the work in understanding like who, who are we wanting to uplift and uphold, you know, are we going to continue to uphold like the so-called founding fathers, right? Are we going to continue to learn about the people who were abolitionists, right? That weren't slave owners, that weren't treaty breakers that weren't participating in, in genocide. Are we going to like, let's learn about that. And like the people that helped free slaves and it's all connected because it's all also part of like the ecological history of this continent too. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's entirely part of it. And I think there's a shift, right? Like we have to like be willing to have that conversation within ourselves, within our communities. And it's hard, it's hard, but we need justice. That's what it is. You know, that's what we're fighting for is justice. You know, how do we atone for so much? Like it's, it's, it's hard, but we need justice. And that is honoring narratives it's honoring people's existence and and showing up standing in solidarity and that is that is mycorrhizal how is mm-hmm. it not mycorrhizal you know and we got to support one another that's mutual aid we keep us safe right we can imagine a future without industrial for-profit prisons that incarcerate children like this is real shit and guess what they 
they bulldoze sacred sites and old growth forests and saguaro cactus national parks to build border walls and detention centers. Like it's connected, you know? So for me, like, yeah, we gotta be okay with having these conversations. And that's really like that, that crucial thing of like, we need to constantly be dismantling like white supremacy because white supremacy is laced in capitalism and it can't, capitalism can't exist without it. It's perpetual slavery and racism. And we have to like imagine another world because it's killing us, right? And like yesterday we were at an indigenous people's day rally here. And you know, the the elder that was speaking, he's like, We've been trying to save you from yourselves from the moment y'all got here. And I think that's like still the vibe, and that's still happening. And you know, like another world is possible, you know, and the people are unstoppable. These are chants. These are, these are ways that we can get better. You know, when one of us is doing better, we're all doing better. Like justice is for everyone, you know, liberation is for everyone. And I want to see that, you know, I want, I want to see that. And I think we just like have to have the hard conversations. We have to like do the work and it's ugly. It's ugly. It's hard, but it's Michael Reisel. You know, we have to support each other. We have to like seriously create that love and grow it. Let's grow. Like my, like my, like my loved one will, right. Let's grow. It's cosmic. My, my loved one will Padilla Brown, you know, there's so many beautiful people doing so many beautiful things. And we're all just trying to survive. And like, we're all just like traumatized babies <laughs> in grown up <laughs> meat suits, you know? And yeah, we got to do the work though, you know, because it's, it's really life or death. It really is like, we need to honor who's been doing the work and continue to do the work. So I'm, I'm here for it. And I hope people feel like this isn't about some political party or whatever, you know what I mean? And it's like mycology is radical because it does like opens up these avenues of like, okay, microremediation. Okay, cool. Can we like talk about, right? Like why we have to do that? You know, like what's going on? I didn't do that. I didn't decide to make these like forever chemicals. None of us right. did. It's right. but these, these fools, you know, these fools, like these 40 companies or whatever it is killing us all. So we just like, we got to see more justice. People got to fight for justice. It's, it's beyond balance. You know, it's like, we need justice, you know, and it's exhausting and it's multi-generational and we deserve rest and care and love and healing. And I, I pray we all get it. I pray we all get it, but it's, it's, always going to be it's gonna i shouldn't i should gonna say this i don't know i shouldn't say it's always going to be but i'm feeling like it's going to be a lifelong struggle because that's what i've heard from that's what you, that's what you've seen and heard and learned <laughs> that's from like under the grapevine you know that's what we're passing this on to other people right it's like the grandmother tree you know we gotta like share and and educate and uplift and show the truth 
yeah and sometimes it's ugly and shameful and like we might be tied up in it and but that's okay like we can heal we can heal that was a beautiful clarion call to us to kind of let go of let go of comfort let go of the value systems that even when we know they're not legitimate, we're still pursuing and we're actually sacrificing. No, I'm not going to get political and go to that event. I got to work that day. You know, there are things like that. Right. I'm not telling people not to go work, but it's it just, right. if right, we're going right, to shift right. the value systems, we have to shift our own value systems. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the, I mean, what you're saying too, is just like, it's a common reaction that is also like, the almost like textbook result of like what they want us to think like and they is like quotation you know like the big they want it to be okay and i get it like people have to work to like stay in their homes because they've made it awful for us to be able to like exist without having to like work till our bones crumble Right. And the people that are like maybe uncomfortable with the thought of giving up something, right? That is just a scare. That's a white supremacist scarcity tactic. Not saying that like that's who you're projecting, but that's like what white supremacist values like embedded within our framework in the capitalist system wants us to fear that there's not enough to go around that we're, there's scarcity that if i give up this and i'm not going to have this position of power it's about giving everyone a seat at the table it's not about relinquishing i mean mm. sure yeah it is in many capacities relinquishing control and giving back you know because like once again it's like how are we okay with these few people can each give us a cool mill. We'd be all millionaires chilling. You know, their so-called economies would be doing great because we'd be buying up all their bullshit that they want us to buy, right? Stimulus right. checks. Like the stimmy check probably could have been a cool mill direct from Bezos, right? But like there's this, like these people got scarcity mentality. You know, they got us tricked thinking that we can't provide enough. It's because they don't give us enough. They don't, they don't offer enough for us to like survive, right? The minimum wage has stayed the same, but the cost of living has gone up over the years, right? So we can demand more and we deserve more and there's enough to fucking go around. Whether we're talking economics, whether we're talking, you know, seat at the table, whatever we're talking, there's enough to go around. And also we have... We should have the ability to be self-determinant, to be able to exist within our own communities and have say in how we want each other's, you know, how we want to build our own autonomous groups or communities or, or whatever it might be, our families, our organizations, right? We should have that ability. And that's the beauty of it. I think that's that that's the beauty of being able to have autonomy, but it's hard. It's hard for that to exist when we live in the confines of late stage capitalism. 
And you have these people overlaid who, through some of those examples you gave, you know, whether it's like land management or forest management, you know, rounding up and killing wolves, you have these people that think they know better than natural systems. And that then applies to humans too. They think they know better than your group, your community in a local area of how to organize and run things. And so I also see that an alarming reduction in autonomy that's going hand in hand with this current yeah, late stage capitalism or now where it's kind of this interesting blend of kind of capitalism, but then an authoritarian state on top of it that kind of goes hand in hand and different positions rotate between major corporate players and they their their objectives and goals are like perfectly overlaid. Yeah. And absolutely. in that system you get this reduction of personal autonomy because they're like, well, it would actually be better if I could manipulate your behavior, you know, predict that was the big goal. Amazon's going to predict your behavior. These companies want to predict what you're going to do next. And like, at what point is it? Well, they just manipulate it. So then they can predict like, yeah, if they serve you this ad a million times, they know you're going to click on it. And then there those kind of incentives filter through everywhere, not just the ads on our phones. You get this kind of abdication of autonomy through it's called marketing, but I've also heard it called economic inductance, where they put out these little bait for you to, and then it's just to drive a certain behavior that they can predict. Bring yeah, because you are, because we are the products. Right. Your time and attention. Ultimately, once you've commodified everything on the planet, what do you, what's left? Well, human <laughs> yeah. time and attention, the, the, the yeah, ethereal. The yeah. The con our consciousness. You can commodify human consciousness. And so suddenly, you know, and that's actually where I think mushrooms provide this beautiful model of like decentralization, not buying into centralized control structures. And I see it in people that I know who are into mushrooms. A lot of people start having that more radical mindset. And so maybe that's a huge part of this is, you know, when you start looking at fungi and mushrooms, it just breaks you out of that kind of manipulation and mind control and you're like whoa and you can start thinking and making new decisions and be that radical highful tip that like doesn't go with everything else and just kind of goes off in another direction to explore something we hope we hope that happens yeah we we hope that happens exactly because you know right we have elon musk going on joe rogan and i don't know i guess he talked about some mushrooms or some shit you know and it's like that fool still ain't coughing it up right <laughs> well, not only is he not coughing it up, he's inventing technology to put a neural chip on your brain. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. That, that neural like, link where they useless. had the monkey, the monkey playing Pong. They had this chimp playing Pong and this neural link, and they did this big uh, YouTube video for it and how great it was. I'm thinking this is a nightmare. No, and and these are people that like probably went to some retreat in South America and had experience yage and whatever and you know went to hike with paul stamets and you know did all the things you know because that's hot on the scene it's trendy you know and that's like the kind of the thing it's like you can take a whole ounce you can take thousands of hits you can do whatever if you're not like on the side of like justice and love and just making things better for everyone like what the fuck is it for like what is it for and ego death and all that whatever what are the well, <laughs> what are the principles like, what are we doing like what yeah like what are what the principles that guide you what are the principles that guide your action yeah. and for a lot of people you know that isn't 
super clear. And I hear that in your voice and what you're transmitting is like, you've got this idea of your value system of what's important. And, you know, in kind of taking this conversation, that's such a huge conversation, kind of funneling it into takeaways and things. I mean, there are these different pillars of value systems, justice, love. I mean, yeah. Who's, what politicians talking about like, yeah, we're just going to base society around love. That's going to be our most important thing. We're going to stop building aircraft carriers. We're going to stop doing that. And we're going to like build things and pour resources into creating love. And, you know, that, that sounds like comical because of course they'd never do that. Well, then it's kind of broken if we're not doing that. Well, there's people like that. They're just not funded by the billions of dollars in campaign financing, right? Right. That get, get the attention that people see. You know, there are beautiful people trying to change the system from within, bless their hearts. Don't bless know how they do hearts. it. Okay. I don't want that job. Bless yeah. their hearts. I don't want that job, but you know, there's people every day fighting within and outside of it. And we just got to, once again, like show solidarity, stand up, like whether it's literal in person or like monetary or, you know, whatever it might be, you know, you're posting about it, showing, talking about it, you know, like. Well, that's a big one. Sacrificing public perception to kind of support what you know is right or put a message out there. Cause when someone hears something or reads something, they can't unread it or unhear it. I know that so many times with people, they've been afraid to take a political stance on anything because, Oh, a Democrat won't like me or a Republican won't like me or, and you right. kind of have to throw all that out the window and just start transmitting the message and it'll break through some of that BS for people. Well, and you know, for me, the work you do in organizing around fungi, especially holding down community and events, bringing people together, kind of inculcates these values and principles in a very tangible way. So to bring it down to Olga and Smugtown, just make sure we give us the overview of, you know, what is Smugtown's business today? What are you guys doing there? And then maybe talk about some of the events uh, that you've been organizing and, and if there's anything coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for making space for everything. Um, yeah, Smugtown's like in a big shift right now, but you know, I'm still like here. We're just still providing some spawn for folks, kind of like downsizing a bit. We're going to be moving and the future is uncertain, but we're, you know, still going to be offering events and classes and getting people connected to other awesome folks, fungally and biocentrically speaking, definitely want to like keep connecting with our fam at the POC fungi crew at the POC fungi community in um, Kumeya territory in, in San Diego and working with them and working with a collective called the mycelium underground which we organize, yeah, like you were saying, like justice-focused, mycocentric events or, you know, really biocentric events that curate content beyond just like, oh, mushroom cultivation and wild ID, you know, and talking about right. the things that we've been talking about, like having a water protectors panel and bringing indigenous voices and, and educators and earth protectors coming to share their experiences of not just the front lines, but within from their communities as well. And 
classes about, of course, our lichen allies and different topics like the my dear friend, Dr. Patty Casian, who does the mycology as a queer science and just bridging and creating space for our community to also share what they want to share and really being strict with the ethics of, you know, these are always sliding scale events. No one is turned away for lack of funds. We all basically do this like for the passion of it. And a generous amount of the food is donated by local organic farms. You know, we don't sell alcohol. Like this is a purely like educational community building event. You know, we're trying to like expand the the narrative and bring the voices to the table. Like we were talking about, right? Like yeah. giving, giving space and not necessarily letting go of anything, but making ourselves richer with diversity of so many beautiful people from all over the world and their experiences and what they have to share and teach and how we're all learning together. And so that was the new new moon mycology summit, which we have done twice and we hope to do again next year. And they have been on the East coast, but we're talking about other things too. And, you know, hope that we can gather again really soon too. And we're just ready. We're just ready to, to get going. And I'm ready to, I'm, I'm ready to have more in-person interactions and fungal focused forays of love and justice. That to me just seems like that is the work, you know, with what you're doing, what you and the team are doing in the community that coalesces around it. That's the work of what you're talking about. Cause I know we laid out this like, Hey, there's kind of a giant control system subsuming you and destroying the planet. Right. Uh, and then we talked about some tenets to get out of it and how mushrooms are allies that can kind of make you aware and then guide you through it. But then what does it look like to start making that shift? And I think that's such a huge part of it. I mean, yeah, we do the healing ourselves. We do the embracing the natural world and kind of developing our own connection. Uh, but then there's actually organizing, talking about these issues. And I love what you said there about making more space as if there wasn't enough space in terms of like ideas or hearing someone, you know, as if that would somehow invalidate something like, no, there's infinite space to hear everyone's voice and perspective. And inevitably that seeps into your own principles and kind of updates your own way of thinking. And that's the idea share that is starting that shift toward different value systems, toward a different way of be existing on the planet is like people getting together, talking about it, starting that whole like manifestation process. That's how it starts. Uh, so I, I appreciate you highlighting that. I think that's really, really important. Yeah. And, you know, and I just want to like say too, yeah, we can like talk about this. We're talking about this doom and gloom and like, you know, it feels like a lot, you know, and there's just like easy ways, like people get like really disheartened and like, I get it. I'm there too, you know, but we can tap in. There's people on the ground in your city, in your town doing the work, you know, and that work can look like supporting the people running your homeless shelter, the local home homeless shelter or like food, not bombs, local chapters of that. And, and just like different ways that we can give back to people 
And not in a way that we're trying to save people, but in a way that we're right. just like this, you deserve this because this is basics. This is some basics. And you it's know? giving to us at the same time. You know, that's the thing is like yes. by me doing something to help another person, I probably get the most out of that equation because that's what we're kind of wired for. Yeah. Empathy and all that. So yeah, it's not really about saving anyone. That's sometimes what I tell people is like, no, it's it's selfish. I want to feel like I'm helping people. Yeah, that's with all of this, we're talking about the rays of hope and the ways to it's actually really approachable and stuff we already know is good anyway, like yeah, helping in a homeless shelter, or maybe you approach some of your neighbors and decide to do a project of like growing some food together and then giving it out to a food bank. You know, who knows? Who knows what that looks like? But all of those things start to shift that value system and start to make that difference. So yeah, thank you for kind of shifting that towards solution because yeah, the solutions are infinite and all around us. You just got to get your thoughts together, get your emotions aligned and then, you know, act. That's, that's a big one. You know, some of the things I've been seeing that have been so inspiring and just, it's so simple, like people putting up like food stands and like maybe a food desert or even in their neighborhood for people to like come and take what you need, leave what you want type of thing, you Mm -hmm. know, food stands that are just like open air or like there's people that like literally are putting refrigerators out too. Mm -hmm. That's incredible, which is is super incredible. And, you know, just like ways of being inspired, you know, it's kind of like the thing where they were doing like the little library, people put in like little library, like houses in your front yard. It's like, yeah, you could do that and put like cans of soup and dry goods for people to come through or whatever it might be, you know, whatever you want to put in there, even, you know, I'm from a cold city. What are we doing to make sure people have like warm clothes and you know, it's just like these things, like, I know I got stuff in my house that doesn't get worn and, and not just that, but if you got wealth, you know, you can go buy some good stuff. And, you know, there's wish lists a lot of times for homeless shelters, you know, on Amazon and stuff like that too. And if you can't be there in person, you know, their money does work, (laughs) you know, we're, (laughs) we're, we live in this system and we have to make money right to survive. So like, we still got to kick people cash to, to make it. So let's not forget that too, (laughs) you know? So you can still support with your monetary power as, as ridiculous as that whole system is, it's the game we're playing by and it still has a lot of, uh, a lot of power in the, in the current, in the current way of things. And I, I think that's a great place to kind of lead that conversation is you're talking about all these things that we already know are good that so many people can do. And that's part of this bigger conversation we're talking about that. That's what it looks like on the ground level. So it's a good call. It's a good call to, you know, me, I'm hearing you talk. I'm like, man, we could go, you know, you could go to Ross and buy a bunch of winter jackets and give it to people instead of buying the like millionth pair of jeans you're never going to wear. Right. Right. It's all about solidarity, not charity. You know, and even though like we just said, like monetary compensations, like, you know, and reparations are great, but like we, it's not, we shouldn't just do it like, because like, oh, like, okay, I gave my $20, I'm good or whatever. But it's just like, because we care about that, like whatever is happening that we want to like support, you know, it's not just like checking off the list, you know, did my good deed for the day. But it's because like we want to see justice and change for the better because 
we all do better. We all do better. And we won't abdicate our responsibility by thinking there's some parental representative figure uh, that, oh, they're taking care of it because I voted for them. They're on my football team. It's like, no, they're no. not They're not going to do they're the not. work. No. They're not going to do it. Uh, that's that's a big thing, I think, for a lot of people is realize like uh, personal responsibility. Unfortunately, this shift is kind of up to us. Right. Absolutely. Doesn't matter how many straws we decide not to accept at the at the restaurant, right? We gotta stop these oil companies. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like the straws, like us not using straws is not really the problem or right. the solution. I and that's say. part of the reason why it is good to hear someone like yourself really lay out, you know, some of the issues, some of some of the players, maybe it's industries, maybe that are involved in this, is so you can see it for what it is. I think that is a part of it. You know, I'm glad, uh, love that we. It's important to talk about solutions, but I never want to invalidate talking about some of the problems too, because if you don't know it's a problem, how are you ever going to deal with it? And in some cases, it is literally like a blanket over everything. Like, no, we need to like get out from under the blanket first, and then we can start figuring this out. I think these kind of conversations are are really important, and I'm glad. You know, I knew I'm like, all right, Olga's super politically aware. She knows what's going on in the world. We'll try to like put it in there as we talk about growing mushrooms. I'm glad we just went, no, here's the, here's what we got to deal with. Mushrooms mushrooms are part of this thing. And there's, you know, you can make all the analogies all day, but, all day. The, but this is the meat of what, <laughs> what we got to deal with on the planet. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful thing, but you know, we're, it's also you know, just to wrap it back, you know, it's like if you ever go to Greece, you know, we're very political, you know, people get very serious and, you know, you enter a little Capanillo cafe, you know, people are talking, you know, and I think we don't have that so much in our culture, you know, here too is like we, oh, it's not polite, right? We don't want to mm. inter like integrate this narrative even into our business model because we don't want to like make someone not feel like, well, my dad works for the oil companies and whatever, whatever. Well, sure. Like tons of people all over this country are doing that, but they're like, you know, we're put in these circumstances because this is the options because of so many, so many mega reasons, but we just got to come together. It's like, man, we all need to realize this is a game, not be super personally invested and be real, real with ourselves about what we want and what we want to do here. It comes back to some of those fundamental questions of like, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to take care of everyone, uplift everyone on the planet? What does that look like? And not be tied down to like, well, in the day to day, I have this role and that, man, that's a role in a game we're playing. Like, let's get over it. Let's move on. We can still acknowledge things that we are a part of are not the best that they could be or are not good and kind of understand that and still and kind of move differently with that understanding in mind. And it doesn't mean you're bad if you're still working at the corporations. You got to feed right. your family. No, it's like we got to we got to do it. We got to do it because that's like what that's in place. They yes. left us with very few decisions. And that's just tragically how it, it happens, you know, and how it continues to happen. And and that's one of the big things too, is remembering we do still have choices, you know, and thinking a lot about this kind of stuff. I, I had this moment where I thought, you know what? Power, which is such a, like, what does power mean? But really power when it comes to people is the ability to make choices. 
So people, when they have enough material or, or political clout, they can make choices for themselves and for other people with less restraint. Mm-hmm. Whereas those of us who feel like we have little power, you're stuck in a job that you need to pay the landlord this, you feel like your choices are so severely limited. Absolutely. But what's hugely empowering is remembering that I do still have choices. It's not this false spectrum of I can do this or this. There's option C and D. Yeah, I could go out and be a part of this group. I could go out and support this group that, hey, I still have to work this job to do this whole thing to take care of my family. But at the same time, I can be reaching out and making other decisions that end up feeding other things that I would rather my energy, time and attention go towards. Um, so I, I think that's that's hugely empowering for people to remember as well is, man, you have a lot more choices than you think. It's true. And that's, you know, that goes with that scarcity mentality. And, and, you know, some people don't have a lot of support systems and there's a lot of folks walking in this world by themselves. Mm. And that's a, that's reality for a lot of people. And tragically, you know, we need more services and, and access and, we can create that too within our within our communities within our, our cities within our neighborhoods and that starts with anything you know like like we were saying like putting a little food cupboard in your little front yard so your community that lives within you know your area like knows that like that's how you're rolling you know and ways that we can uplift each other and and see each other Yes. We ha- you know, that we need to see each other and and see each other where we're at. And, you know, we all got to be better at that. You know, I'm not perfect. You know, I want to like say that, you know, because I can talk about like knowing some shit, you know, and having solutions or whatever. And, you know, I, I'm still figuring it out. I don't know everything. And I struggle with having more of that, you know, going on. So, I'm just trying to navigate it as well, but I'm definitely learning every day and seeing and being inspired by so many folks around me. And once again, like bringing it back to, you know, people, ancestors, elders, fighters, and amazing people, revolutionaries from decades centuries past millennia past even if we want to go that far back but there's so much inspiration and we just can't leave people behind and i think that's that whole thing of like when we're trying to heal and all this decrim and trying to gain access and all the mushrooms and things getting trendy and a lot of a lot of companies pop in and all these things and it's like we want to just make sure like we can all like still have our needs met. Right. And I think that is where I'm at, you know, how I want to see how I want to move in the world, you know, and I hope people join that narrative to a degree. It doesn't have to be exact. It doesn't have to be in the same mind frame of anything but like you know i think for most of us like we want to agree that we want clean water and air and people should have the ability to sleep in a home that's safe and they can have rest and we have food and 
it's provided because it's already there. Why are we paying for rent and water? I don't understand, <laughs> you know, but let's, let's try to, let's try to get like some basics, you know, let's try to tap that into like the work that we do in our businesses, in our models, in our, in our ways, because that's what they don't want us to do. <laughs> yeah. So let's like, yeah, let's do the opposite, you know, like, I think we can like, we're building better and we can model from fungi for sure and model from so many other amazing human beings doing amazing work as well. And that just shows up in what you're talking about. You didn't say, oh, we need a centralized figure that'll end up telling people how to contribute in all these ways. Like, no, just start contributing. There's the self-organizing principle I mean, in fungi, in slime molds, I know they're prote protista and not fungi, but the self-organizing principle of like, man, we all know how to move. We've all got the same kind of, uh, um, sometimes I doubt that with certain people, but no, we've got the same wiring of like, we know what to do. We know what is good. We know once someone starts to do something like that, people will be drawn towards you and everyone will contribute. Like there's this natural thing about collective human action and organization where you I think you don't necessarily need a central figure. And I take a lot of that. And then from that analogy with fungi where, man, no one is guiding where those hyphal threads go, but they know how to move. They know how to send the nutrients, the signals back. And that, that definitely can happen as we each start taking action. We all kind of fall into sync with each other and it, it works. I got to believe it does. I got to believe that works. That's a thing. That's a concept about collective human organization. It's it's self-organizing and self-sustaining. Well, Olga, I mean, thank you for breaking down so many amazing solutions, massive concepts. I'll wrap things up with three questions that in the face of that conversation end up seeming a little mundane, but I think they'll still be really interesting. Uh, and the first one is just a mushroom or a fungus that you love and why. This can be a special place in your heart. Maybe it's just one you saw today that you were reminded of, but just a mushroom or fungus you love and why? Well, I am pretty enamored. Recently, I found with a friend a lion's mane, wild lion's mane mushroom growing on a black birch, which in my bioregion is pretty rare. And uh, generally we see it growing on beach like American beach and um, like oaks and stuff, but, or maple hardwood um, hardwoods. Yeah. But I very rarely see it on black birch. And actually the only other time I seen it was actually on the same black birch snag that we were, you know, I found, I mean, it must've been like six years ago at this point. And yeah, just, it was there and presented itself and just super excited. We harvested it and making some medicine with it and really excited about that coming out from the medicine cabinet at some point soon. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited by all fungi. There's been so many mushrooms lately and <laughs> I love amanitas. If people know me, I tend to, get excited when I see amanitas in the woods and they're just fun to talk about with people and a lot of the diversity. And I love how, you know, they have food and medicine, sacred medicine and, and death <laughs> right within their whole family. And I just think that's just awesome. They cover all 
all the most important bases of of life on this planet, including death. And I, I can't forget, you know, my next two questions are usually, what has a relationship with fun, fungi given to you? What's your greatest hope for our future with fungi? I feel like we've kind of covered that. I feel like this has the been a really time. broad conversation. <laughs> so I need to remember to say, or I need to remember to ask, where can people find you? I mean, where can people find your work? Where can people yeah. engage with you? Because I'm sure there are a lot of people listening that are like, I like what she's saying and I want to hear more. Yeah, 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 totes. So yeah, I'm on like Instagram and Facebook under Smugtown Mushrooms. And yeah, I have a website, smugtownmushrooms.com and the Mycelium Underground, the collective that runs and organizes the New Moon Mycology Summit. We're going to be launching a website soon uh, at some point here when we kind of fine tune the details for next year. But yeah, that's where you can find me. And you know, I'm mostly in the Northeast, but I definitely trickle throughout the country. And hopefully when things get a little bit less hectic, we'll be going back to Greece yearly into the fall to do um, mushroom centric tours there and just basically kicking in the woods and eating a bunch of food and walking up in the mountains a bunch. And yeah, that's where I'm at, you know, I, I think. And I'm excited for 2022 to see where things kind of go. Cause like I said, I'm moving and um, there's going to be some shifting and I'm not moving from Rochester, but I'm moving my facility and there's going to be some shifting. So I'm excited to see what transpires and hoping for a vibrant, fruitful and healthy future for everyone involved opportunities for transformation and more abundance. And I have a feeling you'll navigate it beautifully. Well, Olga, again, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your perspectives on huge issues, giving us your insights. And, you know, I I would love to have you back anytime because I feel like we could talk for years about some of this stuff. But yeah, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. That'd be great. Absolutely. And thanks so much for your work and bringing a lot of voices to the front lines here and getting people excited about fungi and connected. 